Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 222, and today we'll be talking about the Ultimate Doe-Down graphic novel. I'm GC13. I'm David. And I'm Talia Perper, the writer of Ultimate Doe-Down. Oh my goodness, Yay. GC, we have the writer uh, of Ultimate Doe-Down here. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> like, I reached out to you guys because I saw the review that you guys did of Anti-Gravity, which was the first Steven Universe book I wrote. And I narcissistically Googled myself and found it. And I was like, oh my God, they're talking about me. <laughs> yeah, thank so, goodness it was uh, also really good and we really liked it. So <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really glad you guys enjoyed it and you had a lot of cool insights about it. But I thought it was funny last time because there were a few things that you were like, oh my God, I wonder if there was like a hidden meaning behind this thing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> no, just did it because it looked cool. Well, you'll never stop us from trying. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's the whole fun of it. Yeah. So, I mean, when it came to like getting to work on the Steven Universe graphic novels, where did that start? Right. So the way I started getting to work on them. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I didn't really know that many people in animation. I had a job at this graphic design company that focused on movie posters. And while I was there, I was just like an admin assistant. Like my job was mostly watching movies and then writing synopses so the graphic designers didn't have to watch the movie. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time at my desk watching stuff. And at one point I was watching Doris and Marianne Escape from Prison, which is a short series, like a web series that was done by Ben Levin, who is a writer on Steven oh, yeah. Universe. And I'm a huge fan of his. So I was watching that at my desk and... One of my friends who was an art director at the same company that I was working at, who was visiting that day, was like, oh, I know that guy. And I was like, what What do you mean? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, he's really nice. Like, you guys should meet. And it's like, what do you mean, Anna? <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, like... She was a really, like, she was such a, like, for lack of a better word, she was quite a bro. And she, like, introduced me to Ben Levin, and he is a really cool guy. And we had a, like, it was nice to meet him and talk to him about the fact that, you know, we both can't come from a film school background and not an art background. So it was nice to get some advice from him. Uh, at the same time, I was also making zines. Like, uh, and for people who don't know, a zine is just, like, any self-published thing it could be poetry it could be photography for me it's comics so i was doing some very simple zines like the first one i ever made was just like these water nymph type characters that i was doodling in my notebooks all the time so i was like hey it would be cool to like maybe do some speech bubbles attached to them with some little little like one panel gags or stories so i i did like an eight page mini zine for Comic Arts LA as like a business card alternative. So I gave one to Ben and I gave one to uh like <laughs> I gave one to Rebecca Sugar at Cala because I saw her like in the crowd and my boyfriend was like, hey, you should go talk to her. I was like, uh and like so I went up and talked to her and she was really nice and I said something like Hey, are you Rebecca Sugar? And she was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I love what you do. How are you? <laughs> and so she, was, she said something that was like, oh, this is what happened this week. And I was like, cool. 
I'm handing these out to people I meet today. Here you go. And I like gave her a little mini zine and then I like left and I was super embarrassed. I thought I'd made a, an entire, like a total fool of myself. And then cut to like months later, I get an email out of nowhere that's like, hey, do you want to write a book for Steven Universe? And I was like, um, is this like the most specific spam I've ever received in my life? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And so I, I, reached out to Ben and he explained to me that like, oh yeah, I heard that they were looking for comics people and I brought you up. It's like, hey, you should like give this girl a shot. And then Rebecca remembered my zine from Kala and was like, oh yeah, cool, do it. And so Boom Studios is the publisher that makes all the Cartoon Network based comics. So they reached out to me and said, like, hey, do you want to write some comics for Steven Universe? And I assumed that it was going to be something like the single issue stuff that's, like, individual stories. Because yeah. I'd never done comics published before. So I pitched a bunch of ideas. And then they chose one which ended up being anti-gravity. And they were like, cool, let's do 139 pages. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like, sure. So, Make it happen. So I had to like, you know, I I pitched these stories to be like a certain number of pages. So I had to like figure out a way to expand the story so that it could fit into 139 and not feel dumb and lame. Because <laughs> sometimes when you stretch something out, it's very apparent that it's been stretched out. Because there's yeah. a bunch of stuff that like doesn't matter. <laughs> so, uh... So that was a big challenge. I mean, uh, fans would probably say the, the Ronaldo stuff. I love Ronaldo, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad he was so prominent in anti-gravity. Yeah, I think Ronaldo is Ben's favorite character too. Oh yeah, so, like, yeah. Him and him and Matt both both love uh, both love the Ronaldo from uh, from what we've seen. Yeah, I think it's just because he has the he's he's more of a fun and games type character. Like sometimes things get so serious and it, like, I like that the stakes are high and I tried to make the stakes high in this too. Cause like I had a friend who like, I told him that I was doing the book and he was like, Hey, how come we never see any stories about like, like it's always Steven at like, what would happen if he had a lemonade stand in the comics? Like, well, I want to see what they were doing during the civil war. <laughs> like what's <laughs> what, like, what happened there? And I, I think the truth is just that the comics are kind of removed from the show in the sense that like, we are not allowed to get, we don't have access to the, canon the way that the people on the show do so we have to like i was often referencing the wikipedia to make sure that i was like doing everything correctly and trying desperately to anticipate like okay well they might go in this direction so i can't really you can't really do anything with the homeworld gems you can't really introduce any like radical like canon changing things so you have to work with what you're given and you have to make it a story that's interesting. So that's a huge challenge with the comics. But I I kind of like that challenge where it's like, okay, we have all these characters and we haven't really delved into all of them as far as they could go. So like, why not take some characters that like people don't really think twice about and give them some extra dimensionality? 
Yeah. And then they then they do Sadie Killer and the suspects on you. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's cool. Like, these are human stories. I think there was some interview I did for Entertainment Weekly or something like that, where they asked me about, like, what's the most exciting part about it? And it's like, it's, it's human stories. Like, if you take out the yeah. supernatural element of things, like... You need to have something left over that's relatable. Like, that's why it resonates with so many people, is that these are, like, stories that symbolize things for other people. Yeah, I mean, I've been a big fan since season one. So if they just, if the series after Homeworld was like, okay, it's going to be nothing but stories like this, I'm like, I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about how the show has evolved over time, it's crazy to think that it all started with, like, like, Steven was so, like... Thinking about it in retrospect, it's like he's so naive. Like he really doesn't know anything. No, no, I'm, I I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah, like back back in the early days of the series, I was defending Stephen by saying like, "Hey, he like he only causes like half of the problems, and he usually solves the problem if he causes it." Right. I mean, he's a kid. Like, what kid would be <laughs> expected to know all this stuff immediately? It's like, it's really cool to have seen him grow as a character, and it's it happens on such a gradual level that by the time, you know, by the time we are where we are now, it's like, Steven's a leader, and he's taking responsibility in a lot of, like, he's he's trying to fill the void that his mom left, and it's like, dang, he's really having a, that's what a coming-of-age story is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you were talking about the business side and all the pitches to Boom. I find it very interesting from a scheduling perspective that they would have Ultimate Doedown coming out so close on the heels of the Harmony miniseries, which also had as a major side part Sadie dealing with the loss of Lars. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I can really speak to that because I feel like uh, I don't really see that part of the schedule. Yeah, but I, I I just figure I would have figured Boom would have wanted to space these out. Oh, or Kaboom! Or oh, I see what you themselves. mean. Yeah, yeah. Like like give some people a taste of content. Like oh yeah, we want more. Like <laughs> uh, I think Ultimate Dodown just came out on the eleventh in bookstores and comic shops. Yeah. I think comic shops it was a little bit earlier. Yeah, the like it was available digitally uh, much earlier. I waited until I could get my my physical copy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was the f- I think it was the fifth and the eleventh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. So how much on a given page is like you? You obviously all the dialogue, but oh, like what instructions to the artist are you giving? Oh, it's like uh, I had to learn this <laughs> like not that long ago because <laughs> when I was in film school, you use Final Draft to do scripts, and it's like you know you go by scene, so it's like interior or actually it would start with an establishing shot so it would be like exterior gem temple day and it's like the sun is shining and steven says something and there's like so in a in a comic script it's a little bit different in the sense that like instead of by scene it goes by panel so it's like panel uh like page one panel one uh exterior gem temple day the sun is shining and then it would be like Stephen in all caps, colon, good morning, everyone. <laughs> and then like panel two, Stephen is in the living room 
and he's like yeah. bright and bushy tailed and the gems <laughs> all look tired and he's saying like did everyone get a good night's sleep and they all look like exhausted <laughs> and so you have to like you have to uh explain to the illustrator like this is what we see and this is what we hear and they have they have more free reign over like compositionally what does that look like so to ask a, a very specific question when we got Mr. Smiley doing the Drake meme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> new version. Was that you? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reddit approves. I was a little worried about that after uh, that whole thing with Millie Bobby Brown happened. I was like, oh, no, are people going to hate Drake? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be really bad. Uh, but I guess like it's enough of a meme that it's like, okay, well, we can get behind this. Yeah, you you should see all the upvotes you got. Oh, really? Oh, I haven't even checked. <laughs> yeah, no, people let me, are... Let me look for you here. <laughs> right now you're at 2,486 upvotes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this like... So this is on Reddit, on like on the Steven Universe Reddit? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did someone just post that page in particular? Well, they, they took a photo of it. They kind of they kind of zoomed in on that part. However, you you did get even more upvotes on Garnet's suggestion of a fusion donut. Oh, That's nice! <laughs> awesome. That's great. Oh man, I, I really I really need to make a Reddit account. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, oh, anyway, what I was gonna say is like I was worried about dating myself with a Drake thing. And then I justified it by being like, well, if Mr. Smiley's trying to do something that's like updating, like he's trying to like revitalize his career and like update it for the millennial crowd, then he like, if this book is read by like Zoomers, and like, it's like way, <laughs> way beyond, like we are so beyond Drake at this point. It's even funnier because he's so behind the times. <laughs> like he thinks that this is the big new thing. And it's like, no, man. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> yeah, I hope that it will stand the test of time. Oh, it, it definitely will. It's an older meme, sir, but it checks out. <laughs> yeah, also like the additions to the donut, like the donut wrap 2.0. Like, I just love the new lyrics. That's like a big thing to take on. First, you already have to take on like just Steven Universe as a whole as a series, which are already you know, big characters, fans love them. But then you take the donut rap, which is like probably the most critical song in the entire show. And you have to add like yeah, new like, instructions. Kind of is it deal. the most critical song? <laughs> yes, it's, the, it's the most important song. It's the only instructional song for sure. Well, I, I feel honored that I've done it justice. I mean, like I was basing the new lyrics off of my own experience working because before I started boarding on this show at WB, before I was doing that, I was a barista at a cafe in a Japanese market. So I was basing it off of like, you know, before <laughs> you get those kind of food safety jobs, you have to like take a test. You have to take the serve safe training test. And I am a very good student. So I like took it very seriously. <laughs> and there were a bunch of things that I was like, oh, yeah, didn't they say something about like, sales tax in there or something. <laughs> like, yes. Garnet having to re-explain that was great. <laughs> like, the safety zone for food is like, if yeah. you go over 40 degrees, it's like, don't eat that. <laughs> like, 
Oh, and the thing about like, oh yeah, there's like the three bin sink. You like, you gotta wash the dishes, <laughs> you gotta dry the dishes, and then you gotta sanitize the dishes, and you gotta do it all. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> uh, I tried to base it off of stuff that I knew about, and uh, obviously, like, I think Ben wrote that that donut song, the do or do not donut, do do yes. or donut. So I was trying my best to channel him because I didn't get any like on anti-gravity. I checked in with him a a couple times, but on this one, I was pretty much on my own and I was trying my best to like do the show justice because Ben like as as nice as Ben is, he also is extremely busy now (laughs) because he's show running (laughs) Craig of the Creek. (laughs) So uh, I didn't want to bother him and I, I hope that I did okay on this one. Oh, no, I think that's like super interesting that you say that you did have like some connection with the universe for anti-gravity, but basically none for this one, because I think it's still like you said, like it channels the show so much. It's actually surprising that it was basically done independently because like you connected so well between different like actually just referencing different plot points in the show from like the fire salt to like obviously like Lars in space, like all that stuff just got handled so well. And like, I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it was really, really good. And yet, like, also having to come up with so many, like, original characters, I feel like the more that (laughs) was had to be here. Guy Fieri. Yes. But, like, uh, like King, that was, (laughs) it it was good. I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. In retrospect, I realized that I wasn't really doing the illustrator that many favorites by like requiring (laughs) her to design all these new characters out of nothing. Since we have you here, I uh, mentioned in the anti-gravity episode, we we were wondering about some stuff. We don't have to wonder. I can ask you. Yeah. Ask me anything. When Sadie was dreaming about Lars and you have the, the, the four different Larses. Okay. For one, who is the fourth Lars? I know we have Jerk Lars from the earliest part. We have Lars after his revelation in the new Lars, and we have Captain Lars. But who's the who, who's Stephen Lars? I gotta look it up again. I have the book right next to me. <laughs> so she goes home. There are the four Larses. Oh, there's Baker Lars. Oh, the Baker Lars is like who she sees as like the purest Lars. You know, okay, like, so that's who she wants him to be. Yeah, that's like, oh yeah, he's a nice guy and he just likes to bake. Like, the the Lars that she believes is there inside of him. And then there's Grumpy Lars, who's like his external persona, like his ego. And then Captain Lars is like the most confident version of himself that he's sort of developed over the course of like being in space. Like, he's a princely type. Prince Charming. Yeah, and then the the... Lars in the shirt is more like the insecure Lars, like the one who's like kind of a nerd mm. and like, you know, plays video games with her and is like sort of it's like boyfriend Lars. Yeah, like like the Lars that likes her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so 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 what's the Lars she ends up with? The merging of jerk Lars and boyfriend Lars? Because he's wearing jerk Lars's outfit. When they merge all together, it's sort of like, oh, this is the Lars. I remember, like, the true, I think in the script I said it's like, this is the true, the one true Lars. And, but go. it's really, it's not really the one true Lars. It's like what Sadie thinks is Lars. Cause like, when you think, I don't know, 
drawing from my own experience, I definitely, when I was in high school, had crushes on guys who, like, didn't care about me at all. And I just had this idea of, like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if he was like this? And it's like, he's not like that at all. He's, like, a completely different person. I was, like, entirely blind to who they were. So I think that maybe I was drawing on something like that where, I mean, this is Sadie's dream, so she's, like, this is, like, a wish fulfillment thing of, like, oh, man, he's back, and, like, I get to have a life with him. Yeah, luckily for you, though, someone didn't invade your dreams <laughs> when, yeah. uh, you know, when you were having those fantasies. That's rough for Sadie and for Steven. I loved that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. both, like, cold sweating waking up. <laughs> Did she realize that that was actually Steven? I think she probably just thinks it's a dream. Yeah, that's the impression I got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't think she's that... Because I feel like with most of the humans, they're not... Uh, they don't understand, like, their first thought wouldn't be that, like, oh, actual physical Steven is here. Yeah, like, it's, it's like Kiki, you know, dream Steven was you? Right, yeah, like, I think in that episode it became clear because Steven said something about it. Yeah, I mean, Steven didn't, Steven was the one with the dreamwalking powers and he didn't even realize it was her. I mean, this is, yeah. this is him after he's experienced enough to know. I mean, he did that dream warrior thing for how long? Yeah, and I think in this case, Steven's like, oh, well, I probably shouldn't tell her that I saw this, like, deeply personal subconscious thought of hers, <laughs> but it will help Lies. inform my compassion towards this person. Oh, I, I do have, I do have an objection to your script here. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, like you, uh, you, you have slandered Citizen Dewey <laughs> by uh, by by Im- you have impugned his honor by saying that it would be easy to get him to stay away from the big donut. <laughs> while uh, while the gems had their training day, I'll bet Sadie had to wheedle him to get him to take a day off. Oh. He's a full timer. The part timers were easy to get to take a day off. Duty or Dewey did his duty. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. and I don't know if I have a good answer for it. That's okay. I came up with the answer for you. <laughs> so uh, I guess in this, like, let's just say Dewey was being a good person and he was taking, yeah. you know, he's stepping aside, stepping aside Dewey's to let the plot happen. Like <laughs> Dewey's the best. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's underrated. He he really won me over in Ocean Gem. I didn't like him before then. He's just trying. I mean, like he doesn't always do his best, but he's always trying his best. Just let Dewey do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> I miss his campaign van, the one that was like Mayor Dewey, <laughs> yeah. Mayor Dewey. Maybe he can get it back from Petey, and they can have two donut trucks. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Eat a donut. <laughs> yeah. He's really going above and beyond for this job. <laughs> so, like, obviously we've talked about how a lot of this comic dealt with, like, you know, Sadie going through her, like, loss or missing of, of Lars. But also, like, it is about an ultimate do-down. And I really loved, you know, talking about, like, that new character, uh, King. The, like, King Crueler Donuts has this really fascinating, like, dichotomy of being, like, both in support of something that, like, seems on the surface good, like, locally sourced, organic, like, you know, truly made versus, like, corporate big donut. But at the same time, King is, like, a jerk who tries sabotaging the competition. Like, where did you, how did you approach, like, creating that, like, tension between those two worlds? 
Well, I was trying to think of like, what's the opposite of the big donut? And also in a city setting, it's kind of like, oh, what's like the hottest new trend? I mean, when I, when I was in Boston, uh, I grew, I went to school at Boston University and I met my boyfriend there. And one of the, one of the first things we did as a couple was like, go to this like food festival. It was like a food truck festival thing between New York and Boston. So it was like Boston food trucks versus New York food trucks. And they were all like pitching their gimmicks. It was also like sponsored by Maker's Mark or something. So they all had to have something that was like featuring that whiskey or I forget if it's like cognac or something like that. It all had to have like the same type of ingredient. I mean, like the customer benefited because you could get all these amazing like, you know, Korean tacos and like donut hole kebabs and stuff like that and it it was amazing and i was trying to think of like when i was pitching ideas or like thinking of pitches i was trying to think of like oh what would be a cool setting for something that is steven universe related and i thought of like a a festival where there are tons of like colorful food trucks and then with king i think well the main message of this book in my mind was that Sadie is disengaged because she's thinking too much about Lars. Like, she has to be focused to make this work. Like, this is, like, the stakes are high for her because she has to survive this day and make money for her company and, like, do right by her boss. Uh, So she has to be engaged, but she's distracted by these emotions that she can't really get rid of. And then Steven is trying to help her by being, like, super engaged. Like, yeah, we're going to beat those guys. So I needed to have some (laughs) sort of an antagonist for them to rally against. So it's like, okay, like, what's a form of jerk that would show up at this kind of event? (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, like someone who's like high roading everyone and isn't that good of a person (laughs) and is like constantly trying to like be on the social media trend like something along those lines and you know i've i've known plenty of people who have worked at retail type jobs for companies that they like you know my boyfriend used to work for banana republic as his first job and he doesn't really care about banana republic but like i sympathize with people who are just like you know i'm just trying to make a buck you know so i think it in the moment it made sense for there to be someone who's like high roading everyone to be like just another corporate America trying to <laughs> weasel away in this local competition of like just throwing shade on these people who are like, you know, we know Sadie and we know the gems. Like they're not bad yeah, people. We love them. Like they're great. So yeah. it's like this guy's trying to frame them as these evil, like soulless people when really they're just trying to help out. Oh, I I did notice the the. Uh, what's what's the what's the word I'm looking for in the joking victim where we mm. first introduce the fire salt? Lars uh, melts the biggest bowl of ice cream in Beach <laughs> County. Yeah, with it with the sun. Then we have someone take out an ice sculpture. Uh, de- deliberate callback. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I rewatched a lot of episodes to to prepare for this. Also, yeah. Well, like just also. Even though, like, you know, there was a potential danger with, like, using the fire salt again and it being too much of a repeat. But here, like, 
everything just is like bigger and much more hilarious. Like by the time the Empire City News comes on and it's just like this and everything's on fire. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> that was probably one of my my favorite moments. Because <laughs> like I said earlier, it's it's really hard to make the stakes high in these types of stories. Because it's like, I mean, everything goes back to normal at the end, right? Like, and it's hard to show growth, like emotional growth too. So. I think, like, having moments where the characters really struggle, where you're like, how are they going to get out of this, is really <laughs> important to try to achieve. Yeah, well, and even at the same time, it's a very much a, like, Steven Universe move to, like, have, while everyone's breathing fire, you know, Sadie and Steven are off, and, you know, Steven's sort of pulling on his own memories again from, you know, all the gems on how they dealt with Rose's loss and even, like, Garnet, like, feeling empowered in yourself and your own feelings and accepting them like that moment was really good and it's just like so in tune with the show for those two things to be happening at the same time and i really yeah. like where those are brought together where like steven's like all right let's take a deep breath but they, but they can't because <laughs> there's just fire everywhere and yeah yeah i feel like that was a lesson that i really wanted to teach kids that like in sadie's case she she can't function without acknowledging her feelings. Like, you really do have to take a breath and, like, give yourself at least five minutes of self-care, like, and not make the excuse of, like, I don't have enough time. It's like, yes, you do. Because if you don't do it, then you won't be able to react fast enough. Like, at least take this yeah. m amount of time to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> yeah, you like you don't have enough time not to. Right, right, exactly. Like, it's really important to do that. And I think a lot of people burn out because they say, like, oh, what? like, I don't have time to acknowledge this. I have to just, like, go and do it. And then they, like, y you know, hard cut to them, like, in a fetal position on the floor. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Like, what have yeah. you done? Yeah, but hey, at least Sadie gets a good night's sleep afterwards. Yeah, yes. yeah. And like, the other thing is, you know, like, they set this whole fairground on fire and it all worked out. Like, it, it was literally all okay. Like, even the, even the big disasters that you think are like, oh my god, this is the end of the world. Like, I'm a criminal now. Like, this is, <laughs> this is where my life ends. Thank you, Madam Spice. Never underestimate the power of influencers. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess that's another lesson. <laughs> you can draw whatever you <laughs> want right. from it. But yeah, I think a lot of kids and teens especially, teens especially, like, take things super, super seriously. And if they just took a breath, then they could figure out, like, oh, this is okay. Let's, all right. It's either your way or Heath Ledger to teach him not to take things so seriously. Right, mm. right, yeah. I like. I think your way's a lot gentler. Yeah, yeah, just breathe. Yeah, no, like having Sadie's like food truck friend actually like show that was really good because you kind of had to balance like getting that lesson in, but also at the same time, it's not a completely separate idea, but like, you know, Sadie dealing with not having Lars is one thing, but it's also her recognizing how to feel in that moment, right? And like, so Stephen telling her like, or reminding her, you know, you don't need him to be Sadie is, is one part of the story, but then also that how to be mindful and in the moment and do and keep moving on is like 
a really good balance. And then like compared to what like the show format can normally do, like the way that this comic ends with just like so much like peace and length, you just get like the full page of even just like the color slowly like dimming as like Sadie goes to sleep was just like so great. Or even just the gems like cleaning up the food truck, like actually getting to devote like a full page to those things like really brings a good closure too. It was really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because sometimes with comics, people get really caught up in like the paneling and the, and the dialogue. Like it's got to be this like tete-a-tete of snappy, witty, notable quotables. And then when you see a page that's like just images, it feel, you really feel the negative space there. Yeah. Just like this. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of notable quotables, I, I, when I, (laughs) First saw the preview for this. I absolutely loved Steven's one last job, just like in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I was almost <laughs> expecting him to make a Godfather 3 reference right there, but that was that was wonderful. I mean, it actually made me think of that one Adventure Time episode. Oh, which one? With, uh, with Jake's child, his daughter. Oh. Can't remember her name. Is that the one? Are you playing a long con on me right now? <laughs> well, yeah, that's like Jake's whole thing. But yeah. Also, well, also like memorable quotables. Greg, like at the very beginning of the comic, like when Steven tells him about that he had a weird dream and Greg suddenly gets like super uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he was thinking of a Steven's dream kind of a kind of a situation. Yeah, because I mean, how old is Steven now? 14? Oh, 14. okay, so that wasn't necessarily what Greg was worried about. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's he's 14, right? Like, like he's a te- he's like a young teen. Like, I don't know if he's had the talk or not, but like, I think that's why Greg was like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you see, when a rock star and an intergalactic warlord love each other very much. Right, that's yeah. the kind of thing that you could never talk about on this show. <laughs> Yeah, also, I am uh, remiss that now I know that a craffle is something that could exist, but doesn't. <laughs> I, uh... Wait, what? Oh, a craffle. Oh, oh yeah. a craffle, yeah. Yeah, I think that was part... I, my, I showed this to my boyfriend before it went to print, uh, and he was like, I love that line where like that customer is like, I love it when things are two things. <laughs> <laughs> and then you called the line back. Yeah. With the with the judges, everyone loves a callback. Oh, speaking of everyone loving a callback, every time a fusion is in the comics, I have to point out how much I love it. Sardonyx was very very wonderful here. I could hear her voice so well. Oh, great! I'm glad. Uh, I love Sardonyx. I I try to I I liked working in Opal last time, and I I wanted to continue it with this one. Yes, keep working in fusions. <laughs> it see it seems to it seemed to make sense for the pure marketing part of the job where like you're you're trying to sell yourself and it's like oh who's more charismatic than her you know yeah also is interesting too how you kind of had to consider amethyst feelings again right then and she kind of has a mixed reaction like mixed nothing well like you know she doesn't like well, it can't be the feature of, like, the comic anyway, but she, like, has that initial negative, like, uh, feeling, but she's able to, like, rein it in once she kind of admits, like, yeah, she is doing a good job. 
Yeah, I can, but I can just see that as Stephen keeps talking more about, you know, things that describe sardonics, and I can just imagine on the page, Amethyst's face grows increasingly disgusted. Yeah, yeah, I think it was something like that. She's just, like, disgruntled. What it, I gotta flip to that page now. She's like, I get it, Stephen, just move on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was something like that. <laughs> it's hard to do an eyebrow wiggle in print. <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Yeah, because no, I think I, I, I think I put that, that in so the script much. and was just like, oh no, I feel like I didn't give enough direction on this. Were you thinking of future vision? You should have just told him watch that episode. What Stephen does to Garnet? Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I liked when Garnet was doing the psychic cashier routine. Oh that was really good. yeah, yeah, I like. <laughs> I mean, I'm biased, but I liked it too. <laughs> like, I mean, the, uh, the, I will tell you this, though. Uh, we were talking about the Do or Donut song before. And just, how do you how do you adjust a sales tax for inflation that boggles the mind? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. But other than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's in the song. You know, we had to raise the sales tax because of inflation. But, like, if prices inflated, the... Oh yeah, well. I had to um, basically <laughs> match it to the. I, it was easier instead of having to write a new song, which would have been completely yeah. indecipherable in print. I basically tried to match the meter of. Oh no, it worked. I I, uh, I get the. I hear it in Mr. Smiley singing. So <laughs> you definitely you definitely managed it. Cool. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> but like, you don't adjust sales tax for inflation. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff that like r- kids really need to know, you know. Yeah, like uh, like hazard analysis and critical control points. You know, they they need to know about these things. Yeah, that was a lot of that was a lot of googling that day. <laughs> Kitchen safety terminology. Ooh, critical control points. I like these. I still <laughs> don't quite understand what that even means. Like, I think it went in one ear and out the other. To be honest, I was looking up a lot of like serve safe training course things. <laughs> but yeah i think like another thing that i wanted to communicate with this book is the idea that because i think a lot of people romanticize the idea of being um like working at a cafe or working in a food truck or something like that and uh as someone who has worked in food service only for a little while I very much respect what they do in a major way because it's really hard work (laughs) for not a lot of money and like yeah. a major a major toll on physical health <laughs> and i think like in in media we often present these very cute type stories where you know i got a summer job and it's like very easy and like no worries yeah, sadie burns herself yeah like i that really happened to me <laughs> like i really did spill hot coffee on my hand and i was like oh no like it wasn't critical like i didn't have to go to the hospital or anything but it was something that like it happened and then i just had to keep making coffee like i couldn't stop (laughs) i was just by myself oh man no medical tent yeah no medical tent around but yeah i think it's something that i like not to turn people off from those kind of jobs but it's something that i think you need to be somewhat mentally prepared for and like at the beginning of this book, Stephen's like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool! Like we're gonna have so much fun working at this food truck." And then when you actually see what people do on a food truck, it's like ridiculously hard work. <laughs> I refuse to believe that Stephen did not have fun that day. Oh, I mean, you can definitely have fun. And Stephen makes it fun. But anyway, 
uh, ultimate dough down. Uh, you said it was uh, 139 pages before their advertising. It is 144. Oh, uh, that might be with like the fill pages. Eh, maybe. Anyway, it's however many pages of good stuff, and you can get it at your comic book store or your book store. Um, in case you didn't notice, we recommend it. Yes. Thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on and giving me so many nice compliments. Oh, thank you for reaching out <laughs> to us. We always love to wave the pom-poms for some Steven Universe stuff, especially Yay. when it's good stuff. Aw, thanks. It's been undergoing, a, I don't want to say a renaissance in the comics, but the comics have been solid for a while. Yeah! Oh my god, I'm a huge fan of uh, Jeremy Ceres and Coleman Angle, who did the original run of the single-issue stuff. They're, like, both incredibly talented, so when they hit me up to do comics for this, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Big shoes <laughs> Big weight, yeah. Um, so did you guys have anything else you wanted to say about Dodown? Uh... Uh, I just hope people read it and like it and hit me up on social means if you got any questions. And what are you on Twitter? Oh, I'm a Taritari. It's like T-A-R-E-T-A-R-I on Twitter and Instagram. And then I'm taliapurper.tumblr.com for my online portfolio type stuff. All right. Maybe, maybe we'll have a social media link or two in the description. Sure. But, uh... Anyway, guys, that's been us on Ultimate Dodown. Uh, join us next week, where we will be discussing probably Legs from Here to Homeworld after its official airing. But anyway, until next week, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Bye, everyone. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.